what we want to do in this podcast today is really just kind of take the gloves off and start ripping it apart at some illusions that are out there. And the illusion that I really want to work hard at tearing apart today, we, we can do that. We can tear things apart. Oh, that's, okay. that's great fun. It, it, it's great fun. Is the illusion that metal music and ministry are incompatible. I want to tear that apart. Okay. Because my answer, if you asked me off the street, if somebody came up and said, hey, Glenn, do you think that heavy metal and ministry in the church are compatible? Not only would I say yes, but I'd say yes, 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 and yes. And I'm going to show you why I would say that. Can I preface something very yeah. quickly while you find your place? Yeah. When I was just thinking, because of a lot of our listeners, you may not come from a religious background. That's that's fine. You may not know and say, these guys are actually talking about as if they believe that God is real and that he's moving through metal music, which people would think that generally represents the antithesis of right. something religious. And all of the violence that and the murder and the, the thievery that have gone on in the name of religion, we get all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there are very deep questions. You start with the stars, like what we were talking about. Right. There's these things that I don't think that everything put itself together. I don't think the sunset painted itself. I don't think the moon stays just right off our bow, just enough, just enough. to not kill everybody yeah. and, and all these different things. So when Glenn's going to go through some of these things that we're talking about, obviously it's in defense. I don't believe that. I believe God uses whatever and whomever he wants when he wants to. And he can do that. And he can do that. And there's people that would say, I'm not going to do this for God. And they will be, they will almost have to. And right. they don't even know that they're ministering. We talked about some of that last week. But we did. Ahead. I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah. This morning I was taking, taking a look at this and... I was looking at it again this afternoon, just like I was preparing for the last podcast. I had some good metal playing in the background. There's a band that's been around for a little while that I just discovered that I'm just fascinated with. It's Beyond the Black. They're from Germany. Great, great band. But the psalm that I was looking at, I was like, let's go to the psalms, you know, because it talks about music in there. The definition of a psalm is a poem with, with, with music behind it. That's what the definition, the basic definition of a psalm is. So going to Psalm 95, 1, it says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Well, in modern churchianity today, a joyful noise, you know what I'm talking about, oh, yeah. Dan. It's, oh, yay, yeah, praise it's, the it's Lord. It's precious moments It's gathering. the precious yeah. moments gathering, and everything's contained. It's kind of like, I, I think in the ears of God, it's kind of like, yippee. It, it's really kind of disrespectful. Yeah. And the, our words, the way that we see things, you really got to go back and you got to dig into the Hebrew and the Greek of things to find out really what's being meant. And I looked up what the word noise in Psalm 95 is, and the Hebrew word for it is ruach, which is very similar to the word for spirit in Hebrew, which is ruach. But this is what ruach means in Hebrew. It means an ear-splitting sound, a cry, an alarm, and even to destroy. Very interesting. So that's what it means to make a joyful, and yes, you can make a joyful noise in a minor key. <laughs> yeah. you, you can do it, you and can. you can do it with distorted vocals. Well, absolutely, because the whole mixture has got to be bittersweet. If yes. you have some sort of transcendent view from what we're in right now, mm-hmm. can see through death, look towards a hope on the other side of death, 
that there is a bittersweet reality there. Yeah. There's, there is something you have to pass through. That is fascinating. Yeah. So I was thinking about it this afternoon. I, I studied it, went for a run, was praying when I was running, clear my mind, just get things going. Is that if you think about it, God is big. He's awesome. He likes noise. And noise, loud noise and even in Psalm 95, it talks about this, let the seas crashing praise him. Okay, that's noise. High-sounding cymbals, resounding cymbals. Yeah. I remember as a high school student, <laughs> I was going like, that sounds like punk rock to me. Yeah, it really exactly. But in heaven, and we're eventually going to get to what afterlife is like in one of these podcasts. But heaven, you and I, and thank goodness... In, especially in your case, you're not going to be floating around on a little cloud with your chubby butt sticking out <laughs> and, and a harp. It's going to be so different than what we've what we've perceived. Right. It's going to be loud. And because things are different in heaven and because you're dealing with a new body, a new mind, it's not going to be deafening. It's going to be absolutely... It's going to be like being in a concert hall where you hear the sweetest sounds at the maximum volume. I and mean, these poke speakers that I got here in the studio are not even going to compare to what it sounds like and it's going to be terrifying because God is terrifying oh yeah I his holiness just the who he is just he is terrifying and the music that I believe he likes is terrifying music because it fits his nature and not being critical I don't know I have trouble not being critical sometimes yeah but but you do sometimes when you do leave your average church so I'm not dogging everything right but you might hear you know two or three hipsters on stage playing something you don't come away being affected by the terror of the Lord no you don't sit there and go like whoa remember when I was talking to you about the guy it's a podcast that I follow where he talks a lot about fasting Mm -hmm. and it's really good and you can lose weight and feel better yada yada but he talked about dry fasting which you have to be careful doing but he's gone up to a seven day dry fast meaning no food no water for seven days he's an atheist which I I believe everybody's pretty much agnostic whether they want to admit it it's a whole nother podcast but he's um, an atheist but he did say something very profound and I mentioned this to you while we were eating he mentioned that he goes, man, talk about self-development and, and the, the um, relativity of all these things is that when he goes seven days without eating or drinking, he's so thirsty and so weak for a glass of water, everything gets put into a very proper perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like his fragility as a mortal is on full display. Right. He would not want a bag of diamonds more than he would want a glass of water. And there's something sobering, there's something appropriate, there's something, I, I think that's like putting a cup, putting your hand to your ear and, and listening to the Holy Spirit in a way of being able to go like, look at your mortal body, look at this spark that I put in you. And and that's what I'm talking about. If anything that I would really love for our listeners and we would pray for our listeners, that that question, that agnostic murky darkness of going, I don't know who you are. I don't know what I believe in all this. That's when you can get really close to God. That's when I believe he hears you. He moves upon you. He'll move through music. God didn't do anything. You look at the, like we were talking, I always have to talk about trilobites, but I'm fascinated by the Cambrian (laughs) explosion. And just these, it's like an ocean full of scary looking tattoos. Talk about Gothic looking, you know, look at some of them. And God had them in there for a few hundred million years and then saw fit to destroy them. 
and then move on to something else. Yeah. I don't know why. And all those questions are, are fascinating, but it's, that's, that's, that's really a good point. So looking at the Psalms and thinking about it, then we start dealing with the topic of satanic deception. We're going to talk about Satan for a minute. Because in order to deal with the deception, deal with the illusion, you have to know your enemy. Now, he's been around for, some would say, thousands of years. From what we've talked about, I would say he's been around for millions of years. And to a lot of people, that's a fanciful concept. Right. But we do believe that there is a personality, a fallen angel. Yes. Yes. A fallen angel who was once Lucifer, who was once the chief musician of heaven. So he's been around for a really long time, so he knows how to deceive. His tradecraft is very, very good. It's not just that he masks around as one thing and pops off a mask and like, oh, surprise, here I am. There's layers upon layers of the deception. And I came up with this little diagram this afternoon, and I'm going to put it up on the, uh, on the on our Facebook page and on our blog, called the Divine Metal Theorem. That sounds like you. Okay. <laughs> the divine. Hey, so, Glenn, what did you do after you ran? Well, I developed after the, a Gatorade, yeah, I made up something. Yeah, and a protein bar. Okay. I developed the divine metal theorem, and it's this. God loves loud things. He loves loud noise. He loves loud praise because he is just magnificent. The Bible says he's magnificent. Satan hates God. So, because Satan hates God, he hates anything that God has any passion towards whatsoever, and he will do anything he can to destroy it, to divert it, to pervert it, to turn it into something that it's not supposed to be. He also hates us. Not because we're all that great, but it's because God created us in his image, and God desires to save us. That's why he hates us. We replaced a certain a certain role that Satan was supposed to play in the universe before he fell. We, we were, his, were his replacement. So what Satan has done is he's developed this, this thing where in religion people revere reverence and quietness and solemn and just death. There's no life in it whatsoever. I remember growing up as a kid going into the Episcopal Church, you had to be very quiet when you went in. You had to be very reverent when you went in. There was no life to it all, and the hymns were very, very stoic, played a certain way on the organ, and it was very, very quiet. So he's developed this, and when you look at Scripture, yet there is a time for quiet, be still and know that I am God. There's a time for reverence, that's there, but there are more times for being loud and obnoxious, and I'm going to use that word obnoxious, than there are times to be quiet. So there's this deception that has been propagated by Satan and his demonic hordes that if you're going to love God, you need to be quiet. And you need to shun anything that is loud. Remember remember that time that uh, you went into free song at that church that we were at and I was running the soundboard and your free song turned into Paranoid by Black Sabbath? Remember that? Vaguely. Okay. And I was at the soundboard <laughs> cranking up the volume and boy, did we get in trouble when we were done. Okay. Because that's not supposed to be like that in church. You guys, yeah. you guys went a little too far. Well, you know what? Looking at it now, looking in scripture, guess what? We didn't go far enough. Well, you know, part of it, Glenn, I think that... A lot of people get burned through their passions. Mm-hmm. They get lonely. They want something to distract or they get tempted towards something that, and I'm not even talking biblical morality. I'm just talking about danger. 
where they may fall into drug abuse or, or get into a toxic relationship or, or whatever. And they know that they are going to get in trouble. They know they shouldn't go back to this particular individual. But then they end up doing these things. And I think that people, even after they have an experience with God and they join a church, their passions scare them. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so that people shy away from the things they feel like get them in trouble. But really, especially I think an example of what you're talking about, a perfect example, and I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but would would King David. Yes. I mean, he totally represented that. When I read his prayers, he was just blabbering out. I I would imagine there was a lot of snot Mm -hmm. involved with the Psalms. A lot of babbling, a lot of screaming, a lot of, he may have even been throwing things and just, oh God, it was this way. And it wasn't that high church compartmentalized, um, you know, Gregorian chant. Let's be Solomon. Let's be our next caller, please. So in this divine metal theory. We've got the propagation of the cult of silence is what I'll call it. But then we've got something else going on at the same time. Because remember, this this dude, Satan, has been around for a million years. He's good at his tradecraft. When heavy metal started to emerge, the passion, the rawness behind it. And if you look at the history of heavy metal and some of the lyrics of the early heavy metal. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. You would think you were listening to something taken straight out of scripture in some instances. So he runs over there and starts to pervert it and starts to twist it. So here we have a problem. Problem is you have people who are just like, I want to please the Lord. So they hear these things in the perverted form and they want to avoid it. So they wind up in the cult of silence and they never get to experience the true joy and passion of the Lord. I'm not there yet. I want to be there. I think I'm getting closer to being there because what's really interesting is that the more that I've appreciated good metal, the more I felt, I've felt closer to the Lord. It's cleared my mind. It's freeing. It's, it's liberating. But then you have another problem too is you have just the people that are just, there's no sensitivity to the Lord at that time. So they see the cult of silence. They're like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to go where the good stuff is. I don't want heaven because, man, the partying and the good music's all going to be in heaven. How many times have you heard all all the good music? No, it's not. That's where the silent, well, there's going to be screaming down there, but it's not going to be a a beautiful scream or a cry. Right. But and that deception, even to cloak metal and the hellish and the, oh, this is where the good stuff yeah. is. This is where sexual it's a fulfillment deception. is. This is where all these things are fulfilled. It's going to be not over there with the Gerber babies and the, the angels and the precious moments figurines and the Gregorian chants and the, the um, angry old ladies and the, the all the uh, archaic modicums of, you know, just yeah. strict uh, basic morality. Yeah. You know, legalisms right. is what I'm trying right. to talk about. So it's a trap. Like Admiral Akbar said in, what was that one? Return the Jedi? <laughs> I looked that up. It's, a, it's, a, a, trap. it's a trap. It, it, it's, it, it's all a trap. And this is where we need to think for ourselves. Because all too often we go with what culture dictates. If we go to a particular church, well, I don't listen to that because at our church we don't do that. Well, that's nice. But what does the Bible say about that? What do you feel in your heart? Now, I'm not talking about some licentious liberation of just go do whatever the heck you want and you know, indulge. But think for yourself. Explore. And it's okay to explore. Paul even said, test everything. Yeah. And if it's profitable, retain it. If not, you know, throw it off. I've, well, I think that's a great point. I, th- I think 
our listeners that are all different stages. We have Christians that listen. We have people that are agnostics or atheists. We have all sorts. We, we love people all that you hate guys. us. Yeah, people that hate us. <laughs> we love all you guys. Yep. What we're talking about are these huge questions of life that if you're like, this sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a fairy tale. It sounds like this. Have you wondered why you're here? Yep. Have you wondered about the stars like Abram, have you wondered that, whoa, why do I feel alone? Mm-hmm. You know what? One of the most powerful or a few of the most powerful things to me is you could look at us as mammals and we have these social inclinations. We don't like to be alone, but the understanding and the awareness of death, but yet the unbelievably strong and constant craving for immortality how did neo-Darwinism provide us with that sort of instinct to be able to crave something that doesn't exist in our sphere, uh, according to just mm. people that don't believe? So we have this intrinsic hunger that will not go away. Mm-hmm. That if, I mean, we, you could have a wonderful pet. And I hate to be melancholy, but we are talking about heavy metal. Um, if you have a wonderful pet that you love and you know that dog is going to live maybe 10, 15 years, whatever, and you know that that day is coming and then it's like you are still like a sledgehammer to the heart that it didn't get to reside with you forever. Yes. And even that notion itself to me is evidence of the divine. It is. I'd have to agree. You get that. And it's like, so anybody, if you're listening to us wherever you're at, it hear that. And what we're talking about is, hey, not come join us in a morality club. Nope. Not to come and join in something. It's to think and to ask those questions to God. And you don't have to be in some special place. You don't have, you can be right in the midst of your lifestyle. Everything going on, okay? God's, you have never done anything that that God hadn't seen before. ain't going to surprise him at all. It's not at all. So, and then you can ask why? How? Show me. You know. Yeah. So it's just it was in my heart to because that's awesome. You know where does that come from? And right. that's one of many things that are embedded in our psyche that I, I see that it's like it's evidence of the. Well, divine. where does our thought of perfectionism come from? Hmm. God knows none of us are perfect. We all know that none of us are perfect. Even the most upstanding citizen, and we've seen this all too often now. People that we thought were pinnacles of society. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, we find out all this dark stuff that was in their in their past. And Covert narcissist, and yeah, one on one, they're like a total demon with you. But they pres- present this beautiful, benevolent, joyous. Oh, never a bad day, and they're they're like a real devil one on one with you. So here's here's another sledgehammer blow to the deception, and this is what we have to remember: is that both. We as people have missed the boat on things, and the church, and I'm going to admit, the church has missed the boat on a lot of things. So let's go back to early, early church. If Dan and I were scientists in the early, early church, and we said, well, we believe that the earth revolves around the sun, and that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. You've got the devil in you. You've got a devil. And they killed people oh, over yeah, that. They did. I mean, Galileo was, you know, he was fearing for his life in a lot of instances. And that was considered absolute church heresy. Right. But we look now, and it's like, no, this is this is the way that it really works. So if I get a trilobite tattoo, they may try to... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, then even even you look at the days of Christopher Columbus. At that, at that time, they thought, and the church taught, the church taught this, that the earth was flat. 
That was that was teaching, and they actually had scripture. And the Bible tells you that it's not right. It tells you that it's not, but they found little bits and pieces here and there to kind of kind of make it. But no, the, the Bible says that it is it is not flat. So that that's places where the churches kind of missed the boat. And as we've progressed and as we've grown as a as a species, I guess you would say a human creation, we've realized, oh wait a minute, that's not quite the way that it is. And yesterday I was on a little history tour yesterday, and some I found something that was absolutely fascinating. And this is how we missed it in the past, too. In the 17th century, it was considered unhealthy to take a bath. Yeah. It was a health risk to take a bath. That was the belief in the 17th Mostly century. Mostly in England, I think. And that came over from the colony, you know, when the colonies were set here. And this whole concept of bathtubs, oh my goodness, I'm sure that there was some heavy-duty preaching against bathtubs. In the 1700s, yeah. I, I can almost guarantee, I can hear it now that there was. And I think that because there's been such a bondage of mind, such a bondage of heart, that the church has missed the passion of God. Absolutely. And missed where music such as heavy metal fits into the whole equation. Yeah. The passion, passion for truth, passion to express truth. A lot of that passion, what you and I had also talked about, gets diverted into error. Yes. Into, there, you don't think it takes passion to go and kill a bunch of people because you think that they're doing the wrong thing. You know, it's like the church started doing that. Right. And it started, you know, it was like heresy over here and it's here. It's done hideous things. Killing people and doing that. So don't misunderstand what, what Glenn and I are talking about. You know, we are talking about you in these questions and God. And you can look at the scripture and go, maybe you didn't know that the scripture said that it talks about the circle of the earth suspended upon nothing. Yes. And it, it, a lot of these questions that you think, oh, it's anti-science, nothing could be further from the truth. So, so the word of God is there. You can learn a lot from it, but it, it's not against, God's not against um, those things that are going on in you, those questioning things. And he's yeah. got a love extended to you. So. And you know, that's interesting because you take a look at one of the problems that I've seen in a lot of churches is that when you question, they don't want you to go there. Exactly. So bottom line is yes, music and ministry. Man, I'm, I'm on the mathematical role. We got the divine heavy metal theory and we've got music, ministry, and heavy metal, M cubed or M squared, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yes, it is, it is compatible. And we're really excited because we're going to be doing our first interview in just a few minutes with a band, KDT, Kill Devil Theory. They're from New Mexico. And the heart of Curtis, who is the brainchild of, of Kill Devil Theory, is to use heavy music, to use heavy metal to minister to the lost and the hurting. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm really Very excited exciting. about that. And we're gonna be back just in a few moments with Curtis Crane and his wife Deanna from Kill Devil Theory.
All right. Well, with us tonight, we have Curtis Crane uh, and his wife. Uh, Curtis, could you introduce your wife to us, please? Yeah, this is the lovely Deanna Crane. Hi. Hey, Deanna. And uh, they are with Kill Devil Theory, KDT. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right. And how long has your band uh, been been in action? Uh, off and on since 2002 in various forms. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. With the current lineup, we're going on about five years now. Okay. Five years. That's awesome. What Dan and I are talking about tonight is using heavy metal to minister. And from reading the things that you've written, that's really your heart. Can you tell me how you got led into using heavy metal to minister? Um, so, I mean, my whole life I've, I've been into heavy metal music pretty much. Uh, from the time I was about 12 or 13, digging through my older brothers and sisters' albums, uh-huh. uh, records. Um, and uh, so I've always had an interest in that and you know wanted to play music and got into guitar quite a while back in my teens and uh so i've been playing in bands and playing guitar you know for most of my life the big change came in 2008 when my daughter was born and uh she had a lot of problems when she, at birth uh, we ended up living basically at the hospital for about nine months in the NICU there and uh, we didn't know if she was going to make it for most of the, the time there uh-huh. and that, that's when I really found Christ um, I, I, my pastor actually bumped into me working at the same school I was at as a teacher and okay. started talking to me and um, we had a lot of problems with our daughter and, and she was born at 14 ounces and doctors said she oh would never make it you know told us we should have abortions i don't know how many times and it was just awful but um through that i, I found christ me and my wife and we really grew up as as adults and parents a lot through that whole ordeal uh-huh. and, and it really was a blessing overall and um you know the two things that got us through it were, were god and, and basically heavy music so <laughs> you know yeah and so um as, as we grew as, as christians you know we wanted to share that message and the things we we got through that because we couldn't have done it without that and uh i truly believe that without god's intervention my daughter would not be here right now and she's doing great she's 10 years old now doing great and it's a blessing and um we're just totally changed people through that whole whole situation and that was when we started praying and that's when we started looking for for help and wisdom in the bible and uh, uh-huh. it's been awesome and, and so now yeah our, you're right you're absolutely right our main goal now is to basically share that message with others and, and try to help others and love on them and provide them some relief and comfort when they're hurting and, and that's exactly what we're trying to do through our music now that's awesome here's a question for you is that you know, and, and I know that there's always been this conflict between scripture, the church, and, and heavy metal music. Yeah. How have you been received? <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question. A very mixed reception. Um, for instance, our pastor really, when we told him we were going to write Christian metal music, he looked at us like, you know, our ears were falling off or something. <laughs> and, you know, but he's pretty open-minded. He actually came and watched us play a show about, oh, nine years ago, somewhere in there. And uh, he's really into, you know, the, the contemporary, more soft Christian music. And he was real nice about it. He said, well, 
you guys can, all right, are, you know, you do some really good musical things, and uh, uh-huh. that was a nice thing you'd say. But he, he did say at the end of the day, you know, God needs Christians everywhere, even in that kind of music. So I'm uh-huh. glad you're doing that, even though I don't really want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, that's good. You know, the other, the other side is really disappointing. You know, there's a lot of metal fans out there that, when they find out we're a Christian band, they really don't want to have anything to do with us and, you know, said some insulting things and try to bring us down, things like that. And uh, we, we've learned to put up with a lot of that now, and it doesn't really bother us that much. But at first, you know, when we were we were young Christians and writing this kind of music, you know, mm-hmm. when we were working on songs from our first album, I'll be honest, you know, before I was real strong, I, I sometimes I didn't want to tell people we were a Christian band and uh-huh. we kind of kept that on the, you know, kind of more secret and things like that. And later on, I just realized, you know, that's so stupid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of ashamed of that now, but we're, we're very loud and proud about it now. But um, that does, it, it does help us, you know, with Christian audiences. You know, we've had a couple churches come have us, have us come out and play and then, um, a lot of your traditional metal fans, they they hear that Christian label and uh-huh. they just, I don't know what it is they assume, but we get in arguments with them, I mean, you know, philosophically sometimes, mm-hmm. and they don't have anything to do with us. And I actually got an email from a fan the other day that said, you know, you guys are great, I think the sky's the limit for your success, you just gotta quit pushing all that Christian message stuff. And oh, I wow. Back and said, wow. Yeah. He's trying to help, and I wrote him back and I said, "You know, at the end of the day, that's what we're all about, and God's in charge of this bus, my brother." So there you go. Doing that, or else we have no purpose, really. You know, so definitely, um, it's been a strange journey, and you know, we still bump into those stereotypes and things all the time. Um, we went and played at a bar in El Paso a few months ago, and we got down there, set up, we're getting ready to play, and. The guy's talking to our bass player, and our bass player mentions that we're a Christian-influenced band, and the guy, he was thinking about kicking us out of there, I think. He, really? He got, he got a really weird look on his face and wouldn't talk to us, and was kind of giving us nasty looks for a while until we, you know, until we played some songs yeah. and thought that was going to be okay, but... Uh, yeah, I think that really scared him, and so we get all kinds of weird reactions. That is, what, what were they afraid of? That you were going to bring out snakes or something like that in the performance? Or <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking at Dan here, and you know, people accuse Christians of being very closed-minded, being very judgmental, and having yeah. a lot of preconceived notions. It's interesting how you guys are receiving that on the other end. Um, yeah, yeah that, that, that just is, well, it just goes to show that's just human nature and that's, that's the way that we all operate. So let's talk about the album that, that I got. I got this Facebook advertisement saying that if I like this certain type of music, that I should buy it for $4.95. And I never pass up anything. I checked you guys out on YouTube before I purchased this. Like, yeah, I'm, I can be down with this. This sounds good. And when I played it, I heard so much of what is good about heavy metal music, just kind of going back to the roots. I heard some earlier influences in there. Can you tell us about the influences on your band that you've kind of picked up some style from? Sure. Um, I'll tell you the thing that actually got me interested in music to begin with was ACDC, believe it or not. Okay. I found, this is kind of ironic, but I found the Highway to Hell album when I was about 11 or 12 in my basement. It was my older brother's, 
he was off in the military and I listened to it and it just blew my mind. I never even really cared about music before uh-huh. that. So that that was where I really started. I really liked their, you know, their blues influence and, and his solos and, and just the way their tunes rock out, you know. Yeah. And then uh, kind of as I grew up, I went to music school for, you know, classical guitar and uh, I started getting into more more complicated things like Dream Theater, Rush. Yeah. You know, and I grew up on a lot of that stuff because, I, like I said, I had older brothers and sisters. They were about 10 years ahead of me and on music. And so really a lot of that 80s and 70s stuff had a huge influence on me. And then I just got into Dream Theater, Symphony X, bands like that. that oh, yeah. Were progressive as much yeah. as I hate to use that term. Yeah. But the music is that stuff really grabbed me. And that, that you know, that kind of shows up in our songwriting a little bit, too, I think. Uh, um, yeah. And Deanna has a little bit interesting story on um, how she got into this, too. Okay. Tell, tell um, them what happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when I was growing up, I, my sister actually introduced me to heavy metal when I was like six, seven, because um, she kind of raised me. So I'd go to all the keggers and parties with her because um, she had to babysit me a lot. And uh-huh. they would be playing primarily like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and Guns N' Roses. And um, as I grew up, when she moved away to Florida with her husband, um, I really listened to like Instinct and Black Backstreet and a lot of pop music when mm-hmm. I was a teenager. And then I met Curtis, and we started writing music together. And he actually took me to my first um, heavy metal or metal concert. Okay. Uh, Dream, Dream Theater, Kings X, and Joe Satriani. Oh. And it totally just changed my world. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then just personal experience. Um, I went to New Mexico State and got a degree in classical musical education with um, voice. So okay. I trained a lot in classical voice, and it's really helped to um, develop my voice and a lot of the techniques. Just like Curtis, he probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be half the guitar player without the classical mm-hmm. training too. So even though it's more hotty toddy stuff, it does give you a really good foundation and. I think some of the classical stuff really comes through in our music too. So yeah, it, has to it does. Music. <laughs> it, it does. And you guys are really helping us kind of blow through some of the stereotypes that we have. And this is something that Dan and I talk about on a regular basis is one of the things that we get when we start talking about heavy metal music, especially in Christian communities, they look at us again, like our ears are about to fall off. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's there's not much talent that's involved with producing metal. And we're like, whoa, 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 let's yeah. step back here for a second. And, the th- <laughs> you know, Dan's right. It's absolute nonsense. Most of your really good metal musicians are classically both vocally and instrumentally changed. Just the mathematics behind the intricacy of what's being played. It's, And I think that's why a lot of people that have faith in the Lord have trouble with the music because it's so complex. I think there's a simplicity that they're looking for and that they're used to. And anything that kind of tends to overwhelm the senses sometimes, <laughs> you know, is like, oh, that that can't be of God. And that's something that we've been talking about tonight. Uh, and I can definitely, you, you mentioned the Rush influence. And when I listened to your song Crossroads, the, the magnum opus that that is, uh, we wanted to drop that one and cue that one up for tonight, but that would take up half the half the program that we had. I could hear the Rush influence in there. I was like, oh, this is great. And I can even hear, and I really appreciate this, the Black Sabbath influence in there as well, yeah. and, and, and your writing and, and as well as your style. So Kill Devil Theory, what, what does that mean? How did that name come about for your band? 
Yeah, um, I, I was I was actually in college. Um, I was working on a master's degree in, in political science. Okay. And, uh, we learned about devil theory, which was basically a belief by uh, a large group of people back in the 30s and 40s when socialism and communism were kind of get, getting popular. Well, they were kind of going back downhill at the time. But anyways, that was the belief that all these dictators come about because of the devil's influence on polit- the political scene and everything. And mm-hmm. You know, I just started thinking about that. I thought that was kind of interesting. And the way we use it is, is kill devil. It, it, it's a way that we use to basically talk about the Christian message that if we would basically all look at ourselves and kill the devil within ourselves or try to turn away from our sin and try to be more like Jesus in terms of loving other people and taking care of other people, it would just make the world a, a much better place. And, you know, a lot of the problems we, we look to our politicians to fix and, and other leaders that's really not going to go very far. We need to look at ourselves, basically, and kill the devil within ourselves, so to speak, which basically just means turning to God and, and living the way that we were built to live. And uh, we're, we're just trying to fix the world one person at a time that way. And that's basically all it really means and all it really relates to. And, you know, we get that question all the time. Some people actually think we're satanic or something because of the name. <laughs> like, no, no. No, no, no. Exactly. We get th- weird, weird things out of that sometimes. I don't scare some people. And, and on what you were saying with the whole rock scene and everything, you know, that, that reputation that heavy metal artists have created over time, you know, your Ozzy Osbournes and people like that, they've done all the crazy stunts and been a hopeful influence on, on young people in a lot of ways, even mm-hmm. though I think they write great music. Uh-huh. You're always fighting against that too, along with you know the reputation that some Christians have brought on to others by being fake and exactly like that. So we get hit with both of those, and you know that's okay, but it, that definitely is going on, and there's a lot of work to do there in terms of a Christian metal band. Yeah, I mean, talking to you guys and what you're saying is just absolutely refreshing to Dan and I uh, over here in the studio. You also have a new album that's coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Go ahead. Sure, sure. Um, so this new album is about Black Jack, and um, Curtis and I really got interested in um, American history uh, back in 2007. Beforehand, uh-huh. we really didn't know much about history. We learned that we didn't really didn't uh, learn much about American history in particular when we were in high school and even in college. Um, but Curtis was a history teacher and I was a history teacher at the time okay. and um, we actually got involved in this program called Project 1776 okay. which taught us a lot about the uh, American foundations of the Constitution the American Revolution and um, how it's actually a, Juda- a Judeo-Christian um, based document and based government um, so this new um, album is really about that. Some of those prevailing themes um, that go throughout the album is on Christ and God and how he intervened in the American Revolution and how the men of the time really, really, um, what do you call it, depended on God. Mm-hmm. And talked, they actually had prayers before their, um, when they would meet in Congress, the Continental Congress, they'd have, they would have prayers before they deliberated. So... Um, we're just hoping with this album that um, people will learn a little more about our country's history from what Curtis and I have learned wow. in the last 12 years. So That's it's wow. pretty amazing. 
That is absolutely... I'm sitting here getting an education. I mean, here I am getting an education from these guys. I'm like, man, they said they got the Sabbath sound. It's just real earthy. And I'm learning something. And I saw... I had to laugh a few seconds because I saw that one of your tracks on the upcoming album is something, The Devils in Boston. Is is that yes. what it is? So you guys must be New York Yankees fans then, correct? <laughs> uh, no, not so much. It, but the new album is all about the American Revolution, and um, we have a fictional character, kind of like Iron Maiden's Eddie, that's uh-huh. kind of our mascot. And um, so the, the whole album is based on his story as an American Revolution soldier. So there's a lot of history in there. And cool. we actually came up with this this uh, product from. I'm sorry, I don't mean to put that over your face. Uh-huh. I, I wrote a book about the influences of the Protestant Reformation on the American Revolution for cool. a, a thesis project. Uh-huh. And so that's where this album grew out of, and um, that's what's going on there. We're, we're, we're trying to spread a little historical information about how influential the Bible was, how influential the Protestant Reformation was on the American Revolution, and you know, basically that it, it depended on it. And so... Um, sneaky, sneaky, deep down inside the album is that whole message and story, and, mm-hmm. and it's all about this, this fictional character. Um, so the song is, you know, we don't like to call it a concept album because it doesn't really stick to that template completely, but it's a concept album about this guy's story as an American Revolutionary soldier and all the things that happened to him. Um, and, and I'll just say this album is. It, I think what's unique about it, it it's going to be really cool because we have some really heavy stuff. Oh yeah. Thing on the last album. Okay. You know our bass player plays in Dark Angel and some other thrash bands, and mm-hmm. he says that it's right there with them. We we got some super fast stuff. Um, we've got a couple ballads again that are more tear jerkers, mm-hmm. and I think they're really good. We even got some orchestral parts on it, some string sections and oh, things. Oh nice. And then we have just some traditional rock stuff, you know, and, and more classic rock sounding stuff. So it, it, I think it's going to be a really fun album. And uh, at the same time, huge Christian message. Yeah. Um, even more up in your face than, than the last <laughs> one. And a lot of history going on. When's it When's it due out, Curtis? Um, we're, we're targeting October. Okay. Okay. Uh, it somehow it's gone a lot slower than we expected as far as mixing because it, it, it's a pretty complicated album so I, I hate to say it but right now we're a little behind schedule we have a producer in Chicago that's hard at work mixing it and we were supposed to have the first song about 10 days ago okay. kind of you know a first sketch of it to critique and we have nothing yet, so uh, we've had some issues. Uh, we've had to send some stuff off to get like the string sections done and all mm-hmm. that, and so a little behind schedule. But we're still trying to get October, maybe mid-November at the latest. Okay. Um, we should have at least the first song in the next week or so, and as soon as that's good, we're going to go ahead and release that as a sample, kind of, and do a mm-hmm. pre-release and all those types of things. And try, nice. Try to get somewhere nice and if somebody uh, is there going to be a pre-order for this yes oh yes. tell us about that please because i'm about ready to start googling right now to pre-order <laughs> <laughs> I, I will forward that to you we just put an email out to our email list um yesterday I okay. we're slowly getting responses and things feedback on it but 
Yeah, we'll have that live within by the end of next week. I hope. Okay. Yeah, just shoot that yeah, over to me. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll get that up on our websites and our our Facebook page, and we're going to promote that because. Again, as I said, Dan and I are just sitting here. We're about ready to start dancing around the uh, the studio yeah, right now. Really Dan, do you, do you have anything right now? Uh, well, I do. Um, I know that I have theories. Okay. And they fit in perfectly to this theory. Hey, y'all. I've been over here behind the computer. But um, one of the theories that I have is that most metal fans, and without saying metal musicians, mm-hmm. are of higher IQ mm-hmm. than just your average person. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, it's... There's similar things that go on in people that appreciate metal music that people that really dig into theology. Yeah. It's, it may sound like a weird comparison, but I think about metal for a lot of people is over the top. They think oh, somebody's going to be yelling, it's going to be loud, it's going to be really intense. Well, when you're diving into truth, you're not avoiding. Yeah. And, and much of the music market, I think, is based off avoidance, distraction, mm-hmm. a sedative. You want something to sedate you. Yeah. You're going to listen to Jimmy Buffett, you know, Margaritaville. <laughs> You're just going to take off and you don't want to feel anything. You don't want to think about anything. Yeah. Metal is curiosity. It, it, to me, it's it's angst-filled curiosity. It's it's uh, a lot of people I know that I read on the, on the paper, I believe, Curtis, you were in, uh, proclaimed yourself as agnostic previously and I think a lot of people are agnostics they're looking around they're they have a lot of angst they have a lot of woundedness but they're asking really heavy-duty questions and I just find that resonates in most of the bands that we listen to that sort of curiosity resonates in people that are willing to delve in deeper so yes. that they're, they they feel, I don't know, just a, um, an urge, a Holy Ghost-inspired urge mm-hmm. to, to investigate things and to see things. And when I hear about all that history, I'm a huge history oh, yeah. fan. I'm a fan of George Whitfield and, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Edwards and all of that history. So I, yeah. I, I could we could do a whole nother and show. And I'm a, I'm a big stuff. Francis Marion Swamp Fox okay. type yeah, buff. Thing. Yeah, so, I'm yeah really just a lot of it resonates with me. And I look forward to hearing. I haven't gotten to hear... Um, I work all the time. <laughs> I haven't got to hear uh, this one, but I want to hear the yeah. new one as well. So. And what we're going to do is we're going to play for our listeners uh, near on in a few minutes. Can you tell us a little bit about that song? That That's very interesting to me, the song near on. Uh, so we were thinking that we'd just take you through the lyrics and kind of give you um, a explanation mm-hmm. uh, about them. And we have some notes here. Um so it, the, the song starts out with showing our breath one last test and it's basically a commentary that um, if we can get past the political idealism of uh, progressivism and Marxism um, then we can get to freedom again uh-huh. um, because from what we've learned a lot of the stuff that goes into communism and, uh, and socialism doesn't really uh, tie well in with uh, freedom and the American uh, experience and constitution. Um, and then it goes on to the cultured massive drones will sound. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of a commentary on how people seem to follow others and are, are kind of sheeple. I don't want to use that term. No, but we understand. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they follow the message and go along with it without really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So I know like as a Christian, before I became a Christian, I was more apt to go along with things rather than think about them and say, hey, is this going to be right or wrong? by a certain moral standard and by Jesus' standard. Um, then it goes on to keep the mood in this feud, morning after kill the brood. So that part is about um, what the progressives want. They want us to 
uh, just go with the flow by keeping the mood. And they promise us that this will end the feud. If we go along with them, everything will be nice and utopian and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then morning after, kill the brood. So what actually starts happening because we fall into all this is that we sell our children out. And we sell them short. Mm -hmm. We don't leave them with a good, um, a good inheritance, as the Bible talks about. Right. So. Right. And um, Curtis, I'll you take the second part. Yeah. Then just briefly on the chorus, it says, "Crank the massive engine, concentrate. It can be found. Blast the nightmare vision, moving out with no return." So. Cranking the massive engine is basically, um, we're trying to fire up an engine of knowledge or basically fight against the progressive mindset, all mm -hmm. the, the Marxism, the communism, the socialism. Um, it's our core belief that those are just inherently evil and yeah. lead to very bad places. Um, you have to concentrate and really learn to, to know what's going on. Blast the nightmare vision is basically show the truth, spread it through music or any way possible. And so that's what we're trying to do through this song and um, moving out with no return. Um, we want to get out of that, not come back to mm -hmm. that. Um, in and out, up and down, surprising what my eyes have found. Um, this part is the part that gets people a lot. Christians sometimes misinterpret this. Shoot the whore, beat the core, frozen threat unknown before. Mm -hmm. um, this is figuratively, um, you know, referring to the, the horror of Babylon, so to speak, right. in the Bible. Um, so again, all of this plays right into that, and we're just trying to get the message out that this stuff is bad. Turn to God. we, we got to get through this and get back to freedom, so to speak. Um, and then there's one more verse. Deanna, go ahead. And then there's a chorus again. Um, and then the last verse, uh, kill the type and kill the hound. So we think of, uh, like, if you think of Stalin and um, Hitler and Mussolini, those were very big titans of the 20th century. Yes. Um, and they were very progressive in their viewpoints. Um, and we just want to get past that. We want to get past that. And, um, and this last nightmare vision sparks the neuron with a sound. So the spark is the spark of truth. Mm -hmm. um, thought and uh, revolution um, to obey God over leaders. Wow. Yeah, and another part with the blast the nightmare vision, I always think of evangelism with that, you know, um, that we've been taught, you know, when you try to evangelize, you have to let know people that they've broken God's law to begin with, or when you tell them they're saved, it doesn't make any sense. And so, again, you have to show them where this leads and, and how this is bad, and, and so that's basically what we're saying there and then the final verse is oh feel the lightning soar crooked and insolent whore make believe and agree faithful to bigotry um so we're basically talking about when you spark the neuron with a sound um we're trying to wake people up make mm -hmm. them think um that and, and you know realize that um your politicians and your government it, when we say whore i hate using that term but they're basically selling us out. It's in the and, Bible. <laughs> yeah, they don't have our interest at heart. And kind so, of about that wake up, yeah. quit trusting all these big government promises, and and turn back to God is basically what the overall message is here. Wow, wow. 
it's just amazing. I'm, I'm going to move into a different mode here is that your music, your ministry, your calling at this time is for this time where we're at right now, I believe, in this country. I, I really believe that. And one of the things that I've been discovering is that when you look in the Old Testament at the prophets, and there's a lot of prophets that are not spoken of that were in the Old Testament times, one of the things that the prophets did is they conveyed their message through music. They would travel and they would perform music. And I believe that that is what you guys have been called to and what you're doing and why. When I first found you as a band, I was like, this is just awesome. And we got to get them involved in, in the Get Real program and what we're doing over here with the Lithos Cry ministry. We're just really, really excited about it. Um, thank you so much for being on the program with us. Um, do you guys have anything else you'd like to add? How can people find you on, on the Internet? Where can they find you at? Yeah, quick, quickest place is killdevilatheory.com, and they can get some free music there. They, right. they get a free download of three songs, I believe it is, right now. Um, and that's the easiest. We're, we're on most of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, YouTube, so so basically anything like that out there. Um, other than that, uh, you know, I, I I hope our our message resonates through our new album, and um, sure appreciate guys like you, you know, supporting us and, and, and putting this out there. And you, you know, I know it's hard as as Christians to to um, get a message out and, yes. and especially. To, to reach the lost out there. So I'm yes. so glad you guys are out there and doing what you're doing. And, and thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate that. Thank you. We're, I've, I've been educated tonight. I've been refreshed. I'm sitting here. I You you have ministered to me tonight in a huge way. And Dan, Dan is shaking his head is that this has just been absolutely refreshing and, and why we enjoy doing this. This has been so great. So Dan, what we're going to do is we're going to queue up Neuron here for our listeners to Excellent. take a listen to. And... Here it is. Okay. Okay.
And that was Neuron by Kill Devil Theory. Dan, what do you think about no, that? That was awesome. Wasn't Definitely that awesome? The Iron Maiden influence that, yeah. that just but they got their own thing going. Um, and it's it's just it's just real, it's earthy, it's just it's just raw. And that's that that's what's good about metal. And even looking at the, the back album cover, there's no pretensions there. They're no, just real people. They look like you and me. Right. You know, it's yep. not the makeup. Yeah, and, and and that's okay. The makeup's all right. And I, I get it, but they're just themselves. Yeah. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, the, the new album coming up sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, it really did. Yeah, I think these guys are just going to continue to grow. God's going to anoint them. There is anointed heavy metal music. Isn't that yeah, awesome? I believe it. I love it. A lot I of people it. disagree with us, but I believe it. And you know, it's okay for you to disagree. You can still listen to us. And you know, even if you disagree, throw darts at our pictures, whatever you do, we still love you. We do. We do. And we're not just saying that because... It, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love you, Brother Bear. You know, I, I love you. I mean, we do this. We, we don't do this for us. You know, we're not getting paid for this. Well, well, <laughs> that cheeseburger, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. But we, we love you. Yeah, we that's what you. it's all about. Yeah. It is that. Well, I think that wraps up this second edition. What an edition. Yeah, that was great. And and people can probably tell that we came from long format radio of a four-hour stint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bear with us as we bust the rust off and get a, get adapted to this uh, this thing called podcasting. But thank you for being with us. And, man, we're looking forward to you guys and girls listening to us and hanging out with you next time. Until the next episode. There we go. Ciao. Ciao.